Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplins and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, bit tired. It's Monday morning, but yeah, pretty good overall. How are you? Well, I think you should tell people why you're tired. There is a there is a reason. What did you do yesterday? Yeah, I, um, I rode from London to Brighton with no preparation and a pretty bad foot injury. So yeah, pretty pretty tired after that. All the top athletes do. Don't prepare and make sure they cycle in just so you've done well, mate. <laughs> um, uh, hello to everyone who's tuning back in and uh, a warm welcome if this is your first time listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, do subscribe to get new episode alerts and we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. Thank you very much. So today's topic is data migration. Um some key do's and don'ts. It, it, data migration is an essential part of all new new site builds or, or migrations from one site to a new another one. Um, however, it's not always focused on enough during discovery, and that can result in a lack of detail and statements of work. I've seen statements of work where it's literally had a one line saying uh, data will be migrated to the new solution, which is not good enough because what data, how much, who's doing it, when, etc. And that causes further, uh, problems further down the line. And a good example of this, I've been in, um, uh, in a project where data migration was not specced out clearly enough. And then it gets to the point where there isn't enough time or the data is not in the fit enough state to get it clean enough, ready for the data it needs to be imported into the new solution, which then leads to um, a delay in a project. So this is absolutely essential. And today we're just going to go through and share some of our advice and guidance. Um, and I know Paul's done a lot of this. In fact, Paul, you're having fun with data migration at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. Just uh, we've been working on a project where I guess it just wasn't clear exactly what was being migrated from a catalogue perspective. And there's a lot of... Um, uh variables around some legacy product data which is just it's fine like it's manageable but yeah it's just kind of uh added a few added a bit of friction in places i guess yeah and that's the thing that's why we would our starting point is don't underestimate the need to plan for data migration early on in a project it's often not something that's a quick fix towards the end unless you're willing to accept scope creep cost creep and delays so we're going to talk about why you need to migrate what you need to and why and key considerations for your project and lessons learned so let i'll just start i'm going to start with a couple of important ones of why it's important to define this before you start the development phase of your project and then i guess it's gonna be a bit of an interview me asking you questions pulling us dovetailing it but i think a few reasons why it's important to define before you start your project is not every development partner is a specialist in data migration and some like to avoid having to do it so let's get that out there um, and you need to know that early. And if so, you need to have a mitigation, um, whether that involves bringing somebody else in who will do the data migration piece for you in the project or then provisioning the right resource to do it. So you've got to set those expectations up front. It's got to be documented and it's got to be documented in sufficient detail so that you can, when you're um, coming back and saying, well, we haven't done this bit of data migration, it's there at a line item level. So that's that's it. You've got to be clear who's responsible for what. And that is, what do you and your um, team need to do to get the data out and ready for a third party to then take it and ingest it into a new solution? Um, you need to make sure you've got your compliance needs covered, what data you're legally required to maintain and migrate across. Then for customer services, what do they need to handle customer um, inquiries? And this isn't just in the new orders in the new system. It's also retrospective. So orders placed prior to migration. How, what does the customer service team do um, when a customer inquiries an order that was placed a month ago? Um, and then having the right data to protect your revenue so that you can actually sell effectively online. 
Um, have I missed anything in terms of why, why it's important to get this nailed up front, Paul? No, I think um, one thing that I was going to go back to, your first point around making it clear or, and also like who's kind of capable from a data migration perspective. I think a lot of agencies don't want to migrate data and if they do, they'll want to do it in its most basic form. And I think alongside that, it's like who's best placed to migrate data because um, a lot of SIs, yeah, they just they don't have the skill sets internally to either do it efficiently or do it to a, a, the highest possible standard. And the one that I always come back to is catalog or product migration or catalog migration. And I think it's so common that I see projects where essentially an agency has taken a Magento product catalog and migrated it to Shopify or Big Commerce, um, and it's just a mess because the way that product data is managed in those platforms is fundamentally different. You know, you've got so many different third parties relying on uh, product attributes or tags or meta fields, um, and you know, there's just, yeah, there's so many reasons why it needs to have like its own discovery. Um, and I think that's one thing that is often not factored into data migration is because a lot of merchants will just try and hand it off to the agency because they don't have technical people internally or, you know, they're trying to do a replatform project quickly. Um, but that's probably one of the most common issues I see. And it's fine for like a period of time, but it just gets messy um, over time. And particularly when it comes to like tags where, you know, it's essentially free form text entry um, and you've got so much stuff relying on these tags and you just end up with an absolute mess. Um, and that's where you start to get to, you start to get issues with products not being available in feeds or different collections or whatever else. But yeah, I yeah. think it's, um, it's, it's a lot more important than people think it is. Yeah, and, and it can really screw up your UAT phase when you hit that, when people go onto like list pages and there's just junk and they're looking again, what the hell's going on? The feeds one is such an important one to pull out because um, I, I say to a lot of people at the times, get your direct marketing people or agency involved, but why we don't need them? This is just the no, because if the data feed, if the data migration screws up data feeds and they don't have all the field you need to pass the, the core requirements, your data feed can get rejected and all of a sudden your ads are down and you're losing revenue. So yeah. Good, good points. Right, so I know this is fresh in your mind because you've been doing a lot of this recently. So what what should be migrated and why? Yeah, so, I mean, from my perspective, I think there's it can be contentious around orders. Um, so most of the time when we've gone through like an initial like pre-sales process, agencies will want to put a limit on the amount of orders they're migrating just because, you know, there's a lot of time involved in doing it properly. Um, I would usually say migrate all lifetime orders um, just because it helps from a reporting perspective. And, you know, there's various third parties that use the lifetime value of a customer or whatever else. Um, so I would usually migrate all orders, all customers. Um, and there's, you know, lots of variables around that in terms of multiple having multiple stores and, you know, the, the kind of data points you have against your customers but i'd migrate all customer data and then product i guess in an ideal world all product data but a lot of people want to do a bit of a cleanup so as long as it doesn't impact like your uh kind of order data or reporting or anything like that and as long as essentially uh things are kind of unified between any other systems and your e-com platform um i think that's fine um but yeah we'll come on to kind of product in a lot more detail later on but yeah i would as much as possible really yeah uh, i think that's a good maximum as much as possible the one caveat i put on that is 
is you need to, I think the business needs to think about the quality of its current database, especially from a CRM point of view. There are too many businesses where they have lots of old customer data, where those customers are completely uh, obsolete now. They have not visited the website in years. They've not purchased in years. And I question the value of, of obsessing over those customers. Unless you have a really good reactivation and churn management program in place, and these people are recent enough for them to be active in those CRM programs or you know that a subset of customers only ever buy once every year or two years for very specific life events and you have that knowledge great but i think sometimes you can reduce the complexity of data migration by being clear on what data is not good in the first place that you don't need in the new system so i'd always urge people to have that conversation before they migrate but then i'm with you on that is it's sometimes agencies will say only go back 12 months is that like, okay but great a customer who's been a customer for six years and they purchase two three times a year and you lose all that order history well that's not helping customer service it's not helping crm and it's not helping any of the lifecycle marketing programs um, and it impacts obviously paid media stuff as well so i think you have to fight for having the right data yeah i think the um there are variables around all of this as well like i think it a lot of it also depends on what other systems you've got around the econ platform, what data you've got stored in those. Yep. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. If you have a really good BI and CRM setup where all of the data is there historically and you don't, you're not going to lose anything. Um, and you know that customer services don't need to specifically access the data, or if customer services don't ever access data from e-commerce, they always go into an ERP CRM. Exactly. This is this is why it always pays to have these conversations. Is is what what is the purpose of the data in e-commerce? Who needs to use it on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And what are they going to fail to be able to do if we don't migrate far enough backwards? But sometimes you can get away with just migrating the past twelve months worth of orders. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think it's it's really interesting because um, it just massively depends on the business, doesn't it? And like, yes. you know, people are likely to come back and repeat purchase, or if you know you want someone to have an account, or you know, yeah, how you're kind of stitching together different forms of data against a customer property, like all of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I think there's so many variables. Like you say, like some businesses, the value in holding order and customer data is minimal whereas others it's going to be massive even if there's like a period where people don't necessarily come back so yeah i guess it does it does depend doesn't it it does i think the key takeaway for people is is you've got orders customers and products essential data to migrate but you've got a question what what data do you need to legally what data do you need from a, a service point of view to service those customers and what data do you, do you need from like a marketing or a trading point of view and how far back do you need to go to enable those campaigns um and try not to migrate stuff just for the sake of it um and cut out dead data and you know data you know that isn't clean and is dirty that will just pollute a new system um Next question, I think this is the most important question for today's podcast is who should be responsible for migrating data? Right, over to you, mate. Yeah, so I think um, ordering customer, you just need someone that's, you know, capable, understands the platform, you know, is able to kind of um, work with large data sets, et cetera. Like, I think that could be an internal person. It could be uh, a completely independent third party. It could be the development agency. Um yeah, I think that one. And also, I guess the other thing is that efficiency piece, like someone that can write scripts rather than do it all manually, et cetera. But yeah, I think that side is, um, is it could be a number of different people. I think when it comes to catalog, I personally think 
the majority of the work should be done internally by people in the business because I think there's such an important and the other thing of this which is quite interesting is timing because you mentioned about uh data migration being covered in the discovery which I completely agree but there's actually particularly with the new SaaS platforms um I think it's important that it's done at the right time because I always try and get let's say it's Shopify uh and like even before an agency selected quite often I'll have a Shopify basic implementation up and running and we'll be trying to get the catalog in just because it's one of the best things to get ahead but um it's interesting because there it is subject to change like you almost in an ideal world you want to get the core information in as early as humanly possible and then post discovery when you know about all the third parties how you're structuring the stores um all of those kind of potential inputs into the kind of tagging metafield product attribute setup you then want to go through the enrichment phase and then in my view it's kind of like you start with the overall kind of architecture which is like all of the different data points uh document what they are so that you've got that throughout the project and you can like hand it over to different people and then you essentially do a bit of a gap analysis and then hand it over to an internal team to ideally uh populate via excel and uh, be that manually or via kind of formulas or whatever else um and then you kind of migrate from there what is ampliance in a word it's freedom the freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision create preview schedule and manage all your content in one easy place find out more at ampliance.com ampliance experience freedom I think the the ownership bit, it, and you, as you say, starting it, um, the product piece early is so important because it, it it links into certain other streams. So it links into things like site, site architecture and taxonomy. Because if any of the classifications are changing, people might have images in directories that are named and linked with category IDs. And all of a sudden, if that's changing, you've got to remap that. Otherwise, you end up with a really beautiful new site taxonomy um, and menu structure, and then the images get imported and they don't go into the right products. So I, I think the, yeah, the client team has got to own that, and if they don't know what they're doing, they need to bring in an external specialist to lead it for them. Because sometimes people don't have the time or they can't make sense of data in disparate you know, you'll have people who've got data in all sorts of like SharePoints and, and share network folders, and it's all over the place. And they might have some some archaic um, way of pumping it through FTP into various places. So I think, yeah, you've got to get that clean and know what you're doing and have a structure before you even try and pass that product data across to an agency partner. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so we've got what are the opportunities in the next one? So what? So I guess this is a mixture of what the gotchas and what are the opportunities to, to get data better. Yeah. So I mean, I've. So I think one of the biggest opportunities, particularly when it comes to product, is cleaning your data and getting to a point where things are truly unified. And you know, going back to kind of like building out. Um, you know, categories based on product attributes or even like VM rules, um, you know, getting everything in like that perfect um, taxonomy and making sure that everything's entirely consistent. Like, I think that's 
one of the biggest benefits of replatforming almost like just going through and rebuilding your catalog so i think that's the big one one of the big ones um another one and i just added this a second ago while you were talking i think one of the benefits of having an internal team heavily involved or owning the catalog migration process is that the people involved fully understand how things are built into the platform, the role that different data points are playing and their catalog. So I think that's another massive benefit because I've also seen that before where an SI has uh, migrated product data and then everyone's like, why is this here? How is this working, etc." So I think that's another benefit. Um, and then another one that you um, mentioned was things like, so almost always like things like product IDs, customer IDs, order IDs um, will change when you re-platform. Um, and there's an opportunity to make things consistent. So I guess that's one thing you need to think about as a variable, like to migrate those within like an attribute or a meta field or whatever. Um, but also that is your opportunity to make sure, like as part of the project that you were talking about earlier that I'm working on, um, there's been quite a big exercise to get their NetSuite implementation matching the Shopify implementation. And there's like a shared ID for everything. And yeah, like now, like, essentially all of the uh, there's a lot of attributes that are consistent whereas that wasn't the case before um so stuff like that as well that's another opportunity and then i guess the other one is to further enrich potentially if you do have additional data that isn't being used um or you know there's additional things you want to store within the new econ platform you have the opportunity to take advantage of people spending time on the catalog or the data essentially um so yeah it's kind of like yeah i guess that's like always the case with replatform it's an opportunity to like rethink things and that applies to data migration as well yeah i find um sometimes on, on projects the the data migration conversations need to happen after some of the earlier like ux and user journey um which is more of the creative session because you'll see i've worked on plenty of projects where the user journey was flawed in the old site and therefore the category structure wasn't right and the way people shop and that gets reinvented and then you have your standard categories, which are almost like your static categories that populated um, via product IDs. Then you have your dynamic categories um, based on the attributes that exist against the product. And you don't can't nail down your attribute sets until you've got that user journey nailed down and know how you people will browse and discover products in different ways. So I think I think that's a really important thing to do is, is get understand that UX piece as well, what's changing, what that does, and what additional data you might need whether that is product information, additional categories, attributes that tie different products across different categories together. Yeah, uh, I think that's a key opportunity. Uh, it, it really is not not rushing that part until you've, you've, you've gone through the creative um, journey piece first. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, without being too specific, I think Shopify is an interesting one in this area because the catalog, the reliance on the catalog and Shopify, I think is much bigger than any other platform I've worked with in the sense that your tags and your meta fields are dictating everything to do with filtering. You almost, well, most brands use smart collections, um, like almost exclusively within their catalog. And all of that is based on a combination of different tags. Yeah. All of the third parties use uh, tags and meta fields. And, and again, that goes back to the thing and like, there is a need to go through the design, the kind of technical discovery, and then start mapping out. You end up with quite a lot of data points. Um, and yeah, is that's a really important exercise. 
But it's you know on all platforms the, the 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 how much it impacts and how it impacts it differ. But even on the Magento setup, you need to know what your attribute sets are. And you need to know the values within them because if you don't plan it correctly, then you end up with filters, um, in, inaccurate filters on list pages. You end up with crap values within those attribute sets and you end up with products appearing when they shouldn't appear because the wrong value has been put or somebody's attached that product to the wrong attribute set by mistake because it wasn't thought through so yeah this this bit is critical the 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 understanding of categorization static versus dynamic category or smart you know smart collections dynamic categories whatever the language is in the platform and which data field drives it and which values you want because if you don't sit down and set them up and say right attribute set a uh, which might be um you know color or it could be size or, you know there's so many different attribute types you can get out there and all the values that are permitted so that you don't end up with junk in because otherwise if you leave it to somebody to just put stuff in without a a, a kind of um structure to it, you end up with duplicates um, you know, different versions. I've seen this in sizes where somebody puts this dimension in centimeters, others in millimeters, and then it's chaos for the customer. Um, okay, so that, those are, I guess, those are the key opportunities, and, and you know, some of the gotchas are some of the the key things to focus on. Now let's look at the SEO side, and this is something you you flagged earlier with catalog migration. So, what SEO considerations do people need to think about? Yeah, so I think um, obviously the key one is just. For a replatform project, you want to avoid change. Um, a lot of people, like we've been talking about, see an opportunity to completely rebuild their catalog on your replatform. Um, the exceptions ideally are you would maintain a lot of the kind of important SEO um data so things like the uh i get where possible the url um which isn't always possible but ideally you would kind of avoid change where you can um the long description and any of the kind of like front end content things like product reviews um and then the metadata as well so ideally you would avoid change there just to limit the risks and alongside redirects if you kind of nail those two areas um you're definitely mitigating a lot of the risk around losing organic visibility um and then the other one that i've added here is with the urls it can make redirects a lot easier if you uh if you are completely changing everything and you know you're moving to subdomains or subfolders like you're making major changes and even uh kind of the product urls if you're you know injecting or removing the skew or whatever else um it's, a, it's it's still quite important to think about redirects and obviously that's a bit of a secondary thing that redirects are so important and you want to be able to them as effectively as possible so that's another kind of bit of that a bit of that yeah the, the key advice here is yeah, have an owner in the business for the seo stream which is for smaller businesses normally just the e-commerce manager if that e-commerce manager doesn't have technical seo expertise then you really need either a, um, a freelancer or an agency partner to have that to make sure you've thought about does the new proposed catalogue structure, A, it ticks off the user journey and UX demands, but B, does it align with search demand? Are you missing any, any category opportunities where you could create a completely different category that targets SEO um, demand? Um, are you optimising it well? Do you have the right, you know, have you thought about the whole page title stuff? Have you also thought about where you have a genuine um, uh, you know, category or list page that might be really useful from a user journey point of view or from a branded point of view, but actually it's a duplication of something else um, from an SEO point of view. It would compete with an existing page and you need to set canonicals uh, and hierarchies 
So yeah, it really pays. I mean, often it's just a massive, it's just a big spreadsheet that maps it all out and sets the rules in there. And then the other bit of that, as you said, it's definitely the schema bit. I think people underestimate is people be like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we want to, you know, hand ride to make it all natural and not like you know machine driven. And then you get down a project and people realise how do you hand crank page titles, descriptions, etc. for like thousands of SKUs. It's not feasible to do each one individually. And then you have to come back to priorities like top level categories, top, top products, and then create schemas that can automate things until you get to optimize them manually. And that I, I'm sure you've seen this, people underestimate how long this takes to get done. Yeah. Even agencies underestimate this. I think the thing as well is um not thinking about some of this stuff up front like often i'll see like some of this stuff come up later in the project and it just hasn't necessarily been thought about and and i do think um yeah sometimes it's more i think like working yeah basically it's harder with some platforms than others like yeah. i think generally like working with a magento magento is really mature in terms of catalog management and kind of how you know even like you said attribute sets you know having different scopes of attribute etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think some of the other platforms don't necessarily have some of that stuff and it's just there's more variables for sure yeah, it is. And also where you are limited in URL structures. Like if you come from a platform where you're not limited in URL structure, you can have whatever folder path you want to then suddenly realize that, oh, actually, I don't. And and even on platforms where once once a, um, a filter is applied, the default isn't generating indexable URL. How do you work around that? Like, you know, do you have to build out additional collections? And then you have to make sure you manage that effectively. So yeah, it's it's so important to get your SEO data considerations as soon as as soon as the um, the project starts. The SEO work stream should have started already, and in discovery, you should have set down um, what the needs are and looked at some of the challenges so that you can get the right resource onto it. Um, okay, cool. So SEO definitely important for data migration. So what else? What else needs to be considered, and what are some of the, the gotchas you've seen where people haven't thought about it? Yeah, so I think um, one of the, I mean, the big one is probably reliance on data from other systems and reliance on specific attributes or metafields or just data points, I guess. So um, you mentioned earlier about IDs changing. Like often, you know, you'll need to import a legacy ID for the sake of an ERP integration or a CRM platform or something like that. Um so I think it's really, again, like going back to the timing of the data migration there, or it might be that you kind of handle a lot of it and then come back to it. But there's definitely, when it comes to integrations with third parties, there's usually some things that need to be considered. Um, yeah, like, I, like we've worked quite a lot of Ametria and quite often there'll be like specific data points that we'll need to maintain just for Ametria where it's had them in the past from other platforms or, yeah. you know, yeah, that kind of shared ID will need to be um, imported as a meta field, for example. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think that's a big one. And then the other third parties is another one. Like one of the things that I see a lot of people uh, forget is like, say you're using one search engine, you keep that search engine with the new platform, but they, because again, like the data structures are changing um, or like the IDs that, that most platforms will use a product ID rather than a SKU. Um, so they'll lose all of the retrospective data and um, and also planning for things like even product review migration is actually usually quite tricky. And there's a mapping exercise again, as a result of the IDs. Um, so yeah, all of that stuff just needs to be factored in as well. 
Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I, I think sometimes you forget that that it's not just the core e-commerce and the back office, but some of the the search and merch tools you're using and how you the, you can still use them, but you might lose some of that like personalization history because or you might use some of the cross and upsell capabilities because that product ID has changed and therefore the system's got to relearn on a new set of IDs. Um, have you ever have you ever been able to crack that of uh, being able to like port migrate um, a map across old um, to new IDs in search and merch tools? Um, yes. So what would usually happen? So we've done it quite a lot with Clavu. Obviously, I work quite closely with Clavu. And um, what you'd usually do, uh, and it does depend on the third party. Um, or like Yopo is another one. So Yopo, would, you'd take the product ID and then you'd import it uh, as part of the migration. Then Yopo would essentially look at that field with that ID. Um, and then moving forward, they'd be using like the Shopify or like the new platform ID or the handle or whatever else. Um, and then Clayview, you can do the same thing or you can do a mapping exercise with Clayview and you can um, use the SKU, but you have to map the ID to the SKU if that makes sense. Uh, interesting. I've 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 worked on a lot of those implementations, but they've not been um, they've been fresh implementations rather than migrations across. Interesting. Um, any anything else to add before we wrap up? Yeah, one other thing that I just added here that uh, probably should have been down before was uh, migration of gift cards, promo codes, and store credits. So there are three other things that um, would need to be important. Things like store credits so often forgotten, um, and that will come up really late, and it'll be like someone's refunding or whatever, and then suddenly it'll be like, what happens with store credit? Um, promo codes are usually really easy. Gift cards can be quite hard because the way that gift cards work in different platforms differs um but that's another one um and then essentially all of these would need to be factored into like the integration with the erp and how you know data is handled etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah those three would be other ones that need to be factored into a plan from the start yeah i remember um i remember working with a charity a while back and they because of the challenges of, of migrating um like points balances they were just going to wipe people's points balances and just like no <laughs> it's not a very good uh, uh, customer experience to suddenly people think they've got um, rewards to redeem and all of a sudden we're migrating to this great new system for you but you can't have your points is not a good way to start your new platform life that's um that's actually a really interesting one because sometimes the um the integrations of like a loyalty vendor will differ and you can't issue points yeah. based on the same things like we've had a client move from Shopify to Magento and not be able to uh, do some of the same things essentially, which can then impact the customer. Um, and one of one that I just thought of based on you saying that and probably the hardest thing, one of the hardest things to migrate is tokens for subscription uh, mm. providers as well. If you're like switching subscription vendor and payment provider and everything else, that's um, another one that's a nightmare. And this this is a reason for doing this episode today. You can you can realise that there are so many data migration isn't just okay. We're going to bring over some orders and customers. There are so many different touch points to it and implications that you have to think about how data is impacting all of your capabilities from an e-commerce and customer services CRM point of view. So hopefully that's given people some food for thought. And I guess my my parting comments would be. Do make sure Discovery covers data migration in detail and that if the your, the agency or the partner you're working with doesn't want to do it, that you make sure that they do because it's got to be documented. 
or you agree who's responsible for it. Make sure there's detail in the statement of work. So you've seen how much we've gone through today, and that's not exhaustive. I'm sure everyone listening could probably come up with a few other things they've experienced in projects for data migration. Be clear on who's responsible for providing each data set and by when. Have data migration as a work stream in your project plan so that you can track progress and milestones and are you missing specific deliverables? And don't assume it will go smoothly. It often and rarely, well, it rarely goes really, really smoothly. So add contingency. So if you know you need something by day X, building contingency so that you're not stressing on that last um, few days. Paul, what's your parting thoughts or advice? Um, I think that's all really interesting. But one thing I was just thinking was, uh, and I don't, I think we've probably already covered this in the past, but we should do an episode on um, building out like an internal project plan. I think that's always quite interesting because there's so many like, forgotten bits that internal teams don't realize they need to do at different points of the project and i think that'd be a good episode yeah the change management piece uh, there we go um excellent so uh, thanks as always for listening i hope you've enjoyed it um feel free as always to challenge and disagree with us on stuff or or point out where we've missed things uh, keep an ear out for the next episode we drop one every tuesday and um, we'd love you to subscribe and get a rating on apple spotify or youtube thanks very much take care For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.